Hey everybody, Chris Harry with you on a new episode of Chargers Weekly. A bit later, Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports is going to join me. We'll get his take on some of these NFL draft prospects and which available players may have Pro Bowl potential when the Chargers select at number 28. But first, I caught up with Jeff Miller of the LA Times. I got his reaction to the Chargers local pro day on Thursday and the recently released preseason schedule. All right, here at the Hope Performance Center with Jeff Miller, LA Times. And Jeff, it's been a while since we've been on the grass. I know it was just the local pro day, but it was fun to get out there. It was uh, it was nice. I got to admit, uh, I woke up this morning actually anxious, sort of eager to get out here, yeah. which I didn't think would be possible. But but yeah, it was nice to you know kind of get back into a little bit of a football mode. This has been a long draft evaluation process. I, I was with you at the combine. Before that, it was a senior bowl. You have free agency. You have these pro days. So a lot leading up to the next couple of weeks. And just for people that may not know, this local pro day, it's UCLA, USC, San Diego State, a lot of guys that are are local at local schools, but also guys that are from L.A. that may have gone to other schools like I saw Duke, Colorado, Louisville on the list. So uh, it's an opportunity for a lot of these guys who are probably late-round undrafted free agent types to, to make an impression. But there were some pretty big names, Cameron Smith, linebacker, mm-hmm. USC, and then Caleb Wilson, the tight end from UCLA in attendance. Yeah, it, it, what's really interesting about this, Chris, is you, especially with the Chargers, you think about the success they've had with undrafted guys over the years. Uh, something like this, you know, that we're out there. I don't know how many guys are out there, 20, 25 guys, and you don't really know what any of this means. But for one of those guys or a couple of those guys, this could have been a huge day for them. Maybe they've opened some eyes. No doubt. And, you know, maybe now that, you know, the Chargers brass are going back up to their offices and with a list and say, hey, these three guys are, if they're undrafted, these are going to be three, three of the first calls we're going to make at the end of the draft. And so uh, it's, a, it's one of these things where you don't know if it means anything, but ultimately it could be a huge thing for some guys and in some cases maybe it doesn't make any difference at all but it's uh, it's fun to fun to sort of watch and just watch the thing unfold you know jeff a year ago i remember it very vividly too because they do this every year um Uchenna Nuosu was here last year. He didn't work out, but he was here talking to the coaches. It was almost kind of like a visit of sorts. Scott Quisenberry was working mm-hmm. out here. So going into that, like you have no idea if, if any of these guys are going to be drafted or, or picked up as undrafted free agents. Two of the seven draft picks were at this local pro day. So it's little things like this that, that could mean a big deal. And you brought up the undrafted free agent success. Just the, In general, the Chargers have had a lot of success in the draft. And for these guys, that's a golden opportunity to get in front of these executives and the coaches. Oh, exactly. And I think you're right about, I mean, the, the Chargers, <clears throat> you can, you know, fans can be frustrated as much as they want about any free agent moves that aren't being made or that are being made. And but, I think, it's, you know, that's such a, the free agency myth, it's like, oh, teams yeah. aren't doing enough for free agency. You know why they're not doing enough for free agency? Because they've drafted well. Yeah, There's yeah. depth at a lot of positions, and they're not using it as a primary tool. So when I when I hear it's like, oh, the, the Chargers need to do this and that, no, they want to take care of their own guys. Um, I thought what they did with Thomas Davis and with Tyrod Taylor, uh, you bring in stability at the quarterback position behind Phillip, you bring in a leader on defense. I think those are good moves, but – you're right. The free agency thing, I, th- I think people get frustrated, but you have to understand the full picture. Yeah, and I, I think with a day like this today, the, I think if you're one of these guys that's here, is you, I assume these guys kind of have some idea about what the Chargers have done in the draft, what they've done with undrafted guys. And so I think you, you come to something like this thinking 
you know, these guys know what they're doing because their track record is, is really good. And so I think as a, as a player as, at an event like this, you're, you'd probably show up here pretty excited thinking that, you know, if I can impress these guys, it, it, it could lead to something either with this team or another team just because of this team's track record in recent years what they've done you know on you know on that during those three days of the draft and then immediately after that in signing the uh, undrafted guys that they have 100 percent. and this week has been a little bit busier than most weeks in the offseason obviously next week and the week after we're not sure when the regular season schedule is going to come out it, it typically comes out in april uh, so we'll probably have to kind of keep our eyes and ears peeled to see when that comes out but the preseason schedule was released this week and really no surprises from last year. The same four opponents, I think the Saints and Seahawks are swapped. The Saints are coming back to training camp. And I was just talking to you offline about this, Jeff. I, I think I look at when I look at the preseason schedule, I look at weeks two and weeks three mm-hmm. because those are probably when your starters and, and your second teamers are going to play the most. And I see the two quarterbacks under center, Russell Wilson and Drew Brees. It's a great test for the defense. It should be, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, – and I, I guess the – you know, the Chargers had a really good season last year, and so why not have the exact same ramp up to that? <laughs> to the way that went. If it ain't it, broke, right? It worked out pretty well, so I don't think they were too disappointed. Uh, I will admit when I saw it, I was underwhelmed just because I we just went through the okay, same we thing. We were in Arizona. We were but, in San Francisco. You know, whatever. That's okay. Uh, but, yeah, I think, uh, I think you're right. If I remember right, Drew Brees – did not play last year in that game, or did he play very little? You know what he played? He played because Derwin picked him off. That's okay. But yeah. he played very little. Yeah, and that was because of the joint practices. It was. It's very yeah. rare to have joint practices leading up to that yeah. third preseason game because that's usually the dress rehearsal. But they got so much good work in during yeah. that week with uh, with the first teamers of the Saints that the the third game was a little bit more unconventional. Yeah, yeah. But I think you're right. I think you're exactly right with uh, you. It, it's good to see. Good opponents and good quarterbacks. Uh, the you know the defense is going to get a really good look uh, as much as they can, uh, as much as Wilson plays. And then, as you said, in those practices against against Breeze, will be uh, I, you, you know you, you'd rather go you know you'd rather have that. I think if you're if you're a, on the defense, you'd rather go against that than go against. And I won't name any quarterbacks who aren't as, <laughs> of yeah. a lesser caliber, but, but you know, guys you know who I mean? have won a Super Bowl ring, yeah. you know, in their careers and if you can make a play on drew Brees, and i don't care if it's whatever practice whatever it is that's you've made a good play because you know he, we all know about you know, the career that he's had and how accurate he is and and he doesn't throw many interceptions or make many mistakes so when you can make a play on him and you know you've seen those joint practices are competitive i mean they get after it and, and, and the uh, so, thing about the the joint practice with the saints it, it never crossed the line they were just both teams are super competitive uh, the coaches know each other from their time yeah. in dallas and the Saints were a call away from going to the Super Bowl well, last year. So it's, yeah. it's it's a team that is one of the elite teams in this league, and, and to host them for a week, it's just going to make your team better. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I think the, the Saints, they should have been in the Super Bowl. Let's, let's be honest about that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think you're right. You know, last year, uh, I wasn't around the team two years ago, but I know last year 
there was I don't remember there being any incidents of anything. Yeah. Uh, I do remember the both teams kind of getting after each other uh, playfully uh, in the spirit of remember the defenses were doing the, the, the pose the yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that was a thing where maybe some guys could get a little hot about that. But I think that, that stayed cool and everybody was good with that. And then, of course, Philip and Drew have the quarterback thing at the end, uh, awesome. the, the, which, uh, and of course, they both have history going way back. And so I think it's a good arrangement. I think uh, both. I think it benefits both teams. Otherwise, they wouldn't keep doing it. And now that we've settled that, there'll be a big brawl this year. <laughs> I know. Gonna, you know what? Off for, this will be like the foreshadowing. We'll, we'll go back to this clip when I have you on during training camp. Yes, exactly. But, you, know, you know, Jeff, we always say it every year, too. It's like you never want to take these moments for granted when you see guys like Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers on the field together. And like even those quarterback competitions, it's just the scrimmages in general, they get competitive. And you see two guys who are going to be in the Hall of Fame going back and forth. They, they shared a quarterback's room together in, in 2004. And to see both of their teams play at such a high level this year and to get to see that again yeah. in July is going to be a treat for fans. It, it is. And it, it's fun and I think, you know, it's a different setting obviously than a, than a Sunday during the season, but it's, you know, you're close enough, you can actually hear some of Phillips, you know, some of the it's stuff. Clean trash talk. Yes, that he's, that he's giving the defense <laughs> and they're giving it right back and and it's kind of cool to be able to, you know, you don't need, he doesn't have to be mic'd up and you can actually hear it. So it's uh, and it's, it, it is, it's fun and I think it's, uh, it, you just said it. I mean, what a great opportunity to be able to watch that, you know, from a pretty generally, sometimes they can move a little further away from the fans, but a lot of times that's pretty, you can get a real close up of kind of a behind the scenes and what goes into preparing for a season and, and you, you know, you're watching two Hall of Famers, you know, not going against each other per se, but they're leading their, their teams against the other team's defenses. That's, that's you know, it's really cool to be able to see that up close and to, in that setting. It is, and it, it gets me ramped up for training camp we're only in april but two weeks from thursday the 2019 nfl draft this is something where just speculation runs rampant there's a lot of misinformation in the media the chargers picked 28 overall um, a good player is going to be there. The, the strength of this draft is defensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, you saw all these quarterbacks go ahead of number 17 overall. Derwin James falls in laps of the, of the Chargers. Uh, what do you think the Chargers need at number 28 overall? And, and really, is it just like a best available player situation in your eyes? Well, I think they... I think they need defense. They need defensive. I could see defensive linemen because that's a deep position, and it's it's a need they have. Uh, right now, sitting here, it seems like that would be a logical, uh, a logical place to go. Now it depends, of course, who's there. Right, and, it cuts both ways, right? Because if the, let's yeah. say, let's just say like ten defensive linemen go, that means another position yeah. is going to drop. Exactly, or. If, if other positions go, you're going to have depth of D-line. So it, it really, 27 other teams dictate what the Chargers do. Yeah, I think when you're that far down in the first round, you, you're you really, uh, you know, you're really at the mercy of these teams in front of you it's in terms of what you do. I'm, they certainly know what they want to do. I'm sure they have their priorities, and it's uh, they, they know, you know, They've probably tried to play out every scenario you can and to, to be prepared for when their time comes up on that clock. But, uh, 
you really have to wait and see what happens. And we don't know. You you said it. It's there's so much misinformation, and you know, look at what's it's happening. It's a reality show. No, it really is. You and know? look what's happening in Arizona right now with the, with Murray and and you know, and it, it, are they going to take him? They're not going to take him. They're they're you know, one one minute they're locked in. There's no question they're going to take him. The next minute they're talking to another guy, and oh my goodness, what does that mean? So uh, until it actually happens, and until the, the you know the the name is read off, you, you don't really know. You're not 100 percent sure what's going to happen, and it, and a lot of it. Is just contingent on what what takes place in front of them, and I my guess sitting here right now is I think they'll end up with a defensive lineman only because that's a that's a really deep position and it's one that they could use some help. Yeah, and they probably get a good one at, at yeah, twenty eight. They should. Yeah, um, I look at the draft last year and Derwin James was an All Pro his rookie year. Chenna Nwosu had that strip sack in the playoff game. Justin Jones started that game. Kaiser White was starting linebacker to start the year. Mm-hmm. Justin Jackson made big plays down the stretch in Pittsburgh and Kansas City. So there are guys that we don't know yet that are going to contribute to this roster in 2019. Oh, absolutely. And you, you mentioned Kaiser White. I mean, that who knows what he would have brought last year if he had stayed healthy. And He uh, looks the part, Jeff. He, oh, he does. And, I mean, you know, he... Yeah, it's not a minor thing to be starting in the NFL that quickly. And he was, he just, you know, he he took over that position. And so uh, I, I think they, it, I, I'm really interested to see how he's doing. We haven't talked to him in a while. Uh, I, it, I, I think that's a guy who you have to be excited about uh, if you're, you know, if you're a fan of this team, because I mean, what he, the potential that he showed, and then it, you know, his season was cut so short. We don't, we, you know, we kind of got a glimpse of him and that was it. But yeah, you're right about the draft that you just, you know, you're going to get guys. There will, there, there will be guys who we'll be talking about next year who we are, aren't a part of this team right now, and we don't, we don't know who they're going to be, uh, you know, for a couple more weeks here. But uh, there's no question that, especially with this team and what they've done in the draft, you know they're going to get guys who, uh, multiple guys who are going to have an impact next season. And the guys that are here, uh, phase one of the offseason workout program starts on Monday. Again, it's really, it's working out, um, but it, at least it's here. At least we have something to talk about, Jeff. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> even today out on the field out there is Denzel Perryman, right? We He wasn't available to officially talk to us, but, but uh, it was good to see him back out there. He looked incredibly lean to me. Like, I didn't know that was him from yeah. behind because he looked too skinny, frankly. But uh, so I think he's in great shape. Uh, from what I understand, he's, he's looked good in some of the drills he's been able to do. But that's a guy who... Yeah, it's 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 exciting to get a chance to talk to him again and see where he, where he is and see where his head is and I'm sure he's pretty excited about he you know he's back he's in a place he's familiar and and we know how much these guys value uh, what he brings so uh, I'm assuming he's going to be excited hopefully we get a chance to talk to him one day I don't know if that's going to happen or not but uh, just just to see a guy like that back and to see him kind of getting back into the football mode is it's pretty cool. Jeff Miller, LA Times, uh, your counterparts have been pretty busy in El Segundo and Staples Center. What do you have going on over the next couple of weeks? Uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of off-season charger work, <laughs> so and I'm, I couldn't be happier. <laughs> I love it. All right, a big thanks to Jeff Miller. Before we get into my conversation with Yahoo's Eric Edholm, a reminder that the Chargers are hosting a draft party at the Santa Monica Pier Thursday, April 25th. It's from 4 to 9 p.m., and tickets are free. Just go to Chargers.com, get your free tickets. It's going to be a blast. You get to watch the entire NFL draft on giant LED screens, 
current Charger players are going to be there. Alumni is going to be there. Autograph opportunities. ABC's Ashley Brewer is going to host. I'm going to be in the mix as well. A huge party. You don't want to miss it. Thursday, April 25th, 4 to 9 p.m. Get your free tickets on Chargers.com. All right, two weeks out from the 2019 NFL Draft. Please be joined by Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. He's all over the draft. Eric, I appreciate you joining me, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, we're uh, we're coming in here. We're, we're we're almost ready to land the plane here, and it's an, it's an exciting time. It's about time too, right? I feel like we've talked about the draft here on this podcast for two plus months, and and right now I feel like we've kind of hit the lull, right? There's no pro day, there's no combine, there's no senior bowl. It, it's more just like pure speculation. Um, so I'm I'm curious to get your version of how you view this draft, uh, specifically the first round. And feel free to go as long as you want, Eric. We'll kind of pick it up from there. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think, you know, the the average fan, you know, depending on what fan base we're talking about here, maybe the Chargers, maybe not necessarily. You look at the quarterbacks and you say, is it the sexiest group of all time? Probably not. Um, are there some question marks with, with almost every single one of these guys? Yeah. And so it doesn't match last year's hype or, you know, what the 2020 class might offer at that position. But, you know, I, I look at the D-line talent both the edge guys and the interior guys. I look at some of the offensive line talent, the tight end talent. It's a, it's really deep at those positions. Wide receivers got some, some real depth to it as well. I don't know how many go high in the draft, but day, day two should be a, a receiver bonanza. And so I think there's certain positions that, that look really, really strong, you know, depth, high end talent, you know, you might be able to get an undrafted free agent at that position and do well for yourself. Mm. And then there's certain ones that are a little more bare. Um, running back feels a little more, you know, kind of clogged all in the middle. Uh, you know, I don't really know what the defensive backfield offerings are going to be after the first couple of rounds. So it's it's a little weighted towards certain positions, but it, it is, I think, overall a, a pretty good group. Eric, do you have a consensus, like number one overall guy, the, the guy that – probably should go number one overall. We know the Cardinals have that pick. And Kyla Murray, that's been the, the topic of conversation over the last several months. But um, is there a consensus number one overall prospect in your eyes? Yeah, I, I went back and forth, but I landed on Quentin Williams from Alabama. And I know he's only really a kind of a one-year standout. I mean, he did be, only played a handful of snaps when, when Alabama won the national championship over Georgia, you know, year plus ago. Um, but flash forward to, to the next season and he's their, their best player. And I kept looking for holes in his games. I really couldn't find very many and, and just the explosiveness he showed and kind of the scheme wrecking ability. And it just ticked me a little higher on him than it did with Nick Bosa at Ohio State, who I think is going to be great too. But, you know, really came down to kind of the two of them at the top. Um, and after a little, little more study and asking some friends around the league and sort of see what they say, I landed on Williams. Now, Murray could be the pick, and I would understand why they would take him. You know, you match up your, your head coach with a, with a quarterback whose skills fit that and everything. But if I was strictly doing best available, I think Quentin Williams would be my number one. And, and Nick Bosa, you know, Eric, you're from the Midwest. You saw Joey coming out of Ohio State. Sure. Uh, how would you compare Nick to Joey? Because a lot of people say that they're almost like clones of each other. Yeah, they're they're very similar, right? And you hate to, you know, if his if his last name was 
you know, Nick Johnson or something like that, I sure. probably would still be able to see the similarities. I, it's, it's hard not to notice it, you know, or if we played at a different school or something like that. Uh, you know, obviously Ohio State cranks out the defensive line talent, you know, as well as anybody. But, yeah, they're, they're clearly – you know, it's not hard to sort of see the similarities. Joey might have a little more pop in his in his in his hands, mm. and, and just a little more of a forceful player. Whereas Nick might be just a, a hair quicker around the edge, or you know, I mean, both of them can can change directions. Both are extremely well built. We know the football bloodlines run deep in that family, but yeah, there, there's there's an obvious connection between the two, and it's uh, you know it, it shows up on tape. You know, Eric, with quarterbacks, I get a different answer. I think I, I talked to one person. They'll give me a different ranking of the quarterbacks in this class. Uh, I noticed Dwayne Haskins is not going to be at the draft. You hear some buzz about Daniel Jones. Uh, how do you rank these quarterbacks? Drew Locke's in the mix. Of course, Kyler Murray. But you wonder, if is, is he the number one overall quarterback, or is it just a product of, hey, Cliff Kingsbury's there at the number one overall spot? Uh, so with this quarterback class, like you said, it's, it's not as sexy as the 2018 class. But I'm just curious how you rank these guys. Yeah, I you know I, I have Murray as my number one because I believe he has the highest high-end potential of any of these guys. You know, sure. give, if he's put in the right situation, if he lands in Arizona, let's say, and they, they improve that offensive line and they, you know, build for the next generation of receivers and everything else and, and reformulate that offense, he has a good chance to be a very good player. Um, I had Haskins as my number two. I understand what you're talking about as far as the, you know, this may be more of a media-driven uh, angle than, than, a, than a league perspective. There are some people who are a little bit concerned about his feet. You know, I mean, Haskins just throws with the, that flat-footed, you know, doesn't really drive into his throws. He's gotten away with it because he's got great arm talent. He's a one-year starter, too, so there's probably some mechanics, mechanical stuff excuse me, that he needs to work on. And it's interesting because I have Drew Locke third. And, you know, for a guy with 50 college starts, and he's, you know, he's been out there parts of four seasons. He's been out there a lot. Uh, you know, he's still somebody that I wouldn't want to see get thrust right in. I think he would still stand to learn from kind of watching a starter, charting defenses, just kind of seeing everything that they throw at him. He didn't play his best in big games. He didn't have his, his finest moments against the best defenses. You know, there's a ton of, uh, you know, I mean, he's just dripping with talent as far as his athleticism and his, his arm strength and everything else. And, uh, you know, we – I like him. I really do. But I don't know that he'll ever be that Pro Bowl caliber guy. I just, I still feel like there's enough deficiencies in his game. So then after that, I mean, I've got Jones kind of a, frankly, a distant fourth. He's tough. He's big. He's surprisingly athletic. He moves exceptionally well. His arm talent, I don't think is great. I think it would be average to slightly below average by NFL standards. Mm. Um, the smarts are there. You know, he came back after three games uh, from broke collarbone and played well in the game and came back against Virginia Tech. So, you know, it comes from David Cutcliffe. The mechanics are, are clean. But, you know, he doesn't strike me as much more than that Ryan Tannehill kind of level of quarterback, the guy that you're always – wanting a little bit more out of, I think. So those are my top four right there. You know, the tail of the tape, Drew Locke versus Dwayne Haskins is so interesting to me because you mentioned Drew Locke's arm, and, and really I think the the starts is a big thing for, for NFL teams, how many starts mm-hmm. that he has under his belt, versus a guy like Dwayne Haskins who really popped last year 
He probably won bigger games. He had better numbers. I think he had better numbers in the fourth quarter. So it's almost like yep. you pick the flavor that you want best, and not all 32 teams are going to have that same answer. Absolutely. 100% agree with that. And I try to tell people this all the time. You know, they ask me, all right, you know, what order are they going to go off or whatever? What, you know, how, how can we rank these quarterbacks or whatever? And I, you know, the teams that are willing to give me that information, I'm sometimes shocked at, at what quarterbacks they have sort of placed where or mm-hmm. what kind of grades they give on it. You, know, you know, I had one team say that coming into this season, even though Drew Lockett had two, a really big statistical year in 2017, they had a fourth, fifth round grade on him coming into the year. You know, so, you know, you, you see, we see and hear those things. Not, not everybody, one of these guys to lock to go in the first round, but it's kind of trending towards four quarterbacks could land in this first round. And that speaks a lot to the, the need of the position more so than it does, you know, the ready-made talents that we have here. Well, Eric, I, I go back to last year. I had the, the privilege of working with Daniel Jeremiah at NFL Network last year. And yeah. I remember during the draft process, he was like, hey, you know, watch out for Baker Mayfield here. And he may he may kind of pop here and, and move into the first round. And he gets propelled all the way to the number one overall pick. So it, it's interesting. You mentioned, you know, Locke and the perception of him going into this season. Uh, that can change wildly over X number of months, whether it's in the season or after the season during this evaluation process. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean – how well do they do they interview and test? You know, how well do they, uh, you know, things can change a lot. And also, sometimes I will say, I mean, like you said, you, you're talking to Daniel Jeremiah. Obviously, he's got a lot of friends in the league. I think a lot of people who trust him. Sometimes that information may be developing a little earlier, and it doesn't get out to the media for another month or two. So our mm-hmm. perception is, oh, all of a sudden, Dwayne Haskins is, is thinking, well, maybe it hasn't been that hot. On, you know, teams haven't been that hot on him all along. So those, those things can happen. It, it kind of depends on the situation. But absolutely, you know, the case for Baker, I mean, going into the Senior Bowl last year, I think I, I'd have to remember, but I think people were kind of like, yeah, he's an interesting pick, you know, late first, you know, maybe in the 20s somewhere, blah, yeah. blah, you know. After that week, I think everybody was saying, okay, top 10, <laughs> maybe number one, who knows? Yeah. And that's kind of how it ended up. It's crazy. It's crazy. All right, outside guys like Bosa and Quinn and Williams, there's always a few players, Eric, that are given that, like, hey, you can't go wrong with this guy. I think Quentin Nelson was a great example of that last year. It's like, yeah. You know you're getting a high-quality starter that's likely going to be a pro bowler at some point. Um, who are those guys in the first round outside the obvious names at the top? Yeah, I'll give you a couple. I, I'm a big fan of, of, of Andre Diller, the left tackle at Washington State. Mm. You know, granted, he, he played in the two-point stance. You know, they had a lot of shotgun and, and quick passing game and that sort of thing. And so it is kind of hard to evaluate. You don't really see him lining up with his hand in the dirt, firing off the ball and, uh, you know, and clearing out a defensive tackle. But you, you see his athleticism. You see the footwork. It's almost robotic. Like, And I mean that in a good way. I mean, he looks like a machine out there. And, you know, other than one slip up in the senior bowl game, I mean, I think he allowed one sack during the season and then that one during the senior bowl game, just so clean, so prepared, you know, quiet kid, unassuming. He just has that feel of like, gosh, I, I think we'll look back in a decade and say, how did that kid only go 21st or whatever? You know, yeah. like he should have been a top 10 pick uh, on the other side of the ball. I'm a massive fan of Brian Burns from Florida state. I just, 
I, I watched the way he moves, and, and I compared his combine drills to Von Miller's. I put him on a split screen. I watched them both at the same time, and I said, I mean, there's really not a lot of difference athletically between the two. He's so young. He's just starting to scratch the surface. And yet all this talk about Rashawn Gary and, and Montez Sweat and, you know, Nick Bosa. It's like Burns has kind of gotten pushed to the side a little, I think. And I don't know. He Maybe he goes eighth to Detroit. Maybe some other team in the top, you know, 12 or 15 picks like the Packers or whoever. Maybe they take him and, okay, great. They, you know, that was the smart move. But I wouldn't be shocked if he slips out of that that first dozen or so picks. And we same thing. We look back and go, man, how did we not rate him higher? So those are two that I think are just, I would be surprised if they failed. Yeah, the the, the Burns observation is interesting. I had Rick Saratella on from NFL Draft Bob a couple of weeks ago, and I, sure. I think he's got Burns very high, like yourself. And um, it, it's just, it's a, it's a draft that seems to be loaded, not only at edge rusher, but just across the defensive line. Mm-hmm. And a good player is going to fall. And, and speaking of that, last year, Derwin James goes to the Chargers at number 17 overall. I'm just curious because I know you've been doing this for so long and you probably were really locked in on Derwin last year. Uh, what was your reaction when, when Derwin fell to 17? Okay, so here's the thing. The, the mock draft I did probably like in, you know, I must have done five or six along the way, one a month from, you know, December up to the draft or whatever. You know, I, I thought he'd be a great fit with the Charters. I just said that's a team where he would be, you know, in great shape, great hands. But I thought he's not going to far that far, is he? I <laughs> yeah. mean, you know, granted the injury and everything else, and maybe he doesn't have as much experience as everybody else. But goodness, I mean, you watch him and you say to yourself, he's special. I had him above Minka Fitzpatrick as my top, you know, DB overall, my best defensive back. I think he was my number four, five, or six overall player in last year's class. So, you know, love the player. I kept putting him to the Chargers, like in my February, March mock drafts and saying like, gosh, I guess I guess can't find the landing spot. And then I thought, okay, the Bucks aren't going to be this dumb. They're not, nothing gets the Bucks. I have friends who work there, whatever. I just said, they're not going to pass on this guy. They're going to, sure. they're going to make the right move. They're going to take him at number five, whatever. They end up trading down, passing on him twice. And, and the rest is history. And it just, sometimes those decisions can be ones that you look back on and for a decade and go, man, we had him. We, we could have had that guy. So it's crazy. Uh, their, their, their poor decision, in my opinion, ended up uh, benefiting the Chargers in a big way. Well, and you know, also too, Eric, it was so quarterback heavy at the beginning of the first round, too. So sure. talent was dropping. It wasn't just Derwin, but I think Derwin ends up being the most notable name when you see the rookie season that he had. And, and speaking of the Chargers in the draft, in each of the last seven seasons, and, and Tom Teleska has been a part of six of them, they've drafted a Pro Bowl player or an All-Pro from 2012 <laughs> to 2018, whether it's, you know, it was Ingram, Keenan Allen, Jason Verrett, Melvin Gordon, Joey Bosa, Desmond King, a fifth rounder, and then Derwin, an all pro uh, in his rookie season. In order to keep that going, 28 is likely going to have to be a, a Pro Bowl type player. Who do you see the Chargers homing in on at the end of the first based on how you think the first round could go? Yeah, I mean, and I would, and I would tell you this if I was doing a show in Milwaukee or San Jose or anywhere else. I mean, Tom Telesco and that scouting staff have done an outstanding job of, of 
not only, you know, evaluating the talent, but manipulating the draft and, and, you know, finding the right spots for guys and knowing where the drop-off points are and knowing when to make a move and when not to. Just, you know, there's only a – they're in the discussion among the top three or four front offices in terms of how to best work the draft mm. over the last, like you said, six years. So I always admire the work they did. Desmond King was in my top – Oh my gosh, I had him 48th overall that draft or something like that. Wow. I loved him. I was shocked he fell as far as he did. I understood the testing numbers and all that, but he was a football player. He he had great instincts, and those are the kind of things that I think they they always are mindful of. Like Derwin James, right? I mean, sure, freakish athleticism, but great football instincts too, and that allows him to play so many roles. So that's kind of what I try to think of when I, when I pair up chargers with, with first round talents and, you know, do mock drafts and things. I say, you know, yes, they, like everybody else, love the measurables. They love the athleticism. They love the height, the weight, the, the three cone drill and all that stuff, bench press. But I think they're really smart about finding guys who are pure football players. So the question is, you know, at that spot of the draft, it's just outside of the range where some of the defensive linemen I really like are, are going. Yeah. Maybe Dexter Lawrence from Clemson. That's just the one fear I have is that, you know, by pick number 24 or 5, a lot of those top guys may off the board. So do you go offensive tackle there? Do you – does somebody from that top group slip, like a Cody Ford or, or, or a Dillard or somebody like that – you know, it, it's a tough area to project. And it's, it's, you know, we've heard them connected to even like Caleb McGarry from Washington. You know, they've done a lot of work on him. I'd love him in the second round. I think that would be a great spot for him at number 60. But if they had conviction on him and felt that, you know, they could – I mean, he's, he's, he's worth investing in. As a, I think he's got the passion for the game and the size and everything else you like. But – I'd, li- I'd love him better at 60 than I would at 28. So it- it's really tough. Because if is. you're centering on offensive and defensive lines, that's kind of where I come up with. I, I fail to find that one guy who is a-, a clear, obvious fit for them. I think that's a good thing for the Chargers too, Eric, because you're not – I don't think there's a, a glaring need. And, and, again, the last two years – since moving to Los Angeles, they've drafted 14 guys. They're all still on the roster. 13 have played in a game. I believe 10 or 11 have started a game. And all these players affect the game. Like to your point about Desmond King, Desmond affected the game in special teams. I recall that 73-yard yeah. punt return on Sunday Night Football against the Steelers. Um, he, he just made big plays on special teams and defense all year long. So it, it could be just like, hey, it's the best available guy, someone who can affect the game, or someone who can just further bolster that offensive line or defensive line uh, with, with so many weapons on either side of the football. Yeah, and that's – yeah, right, absolutely. I mean – even with all the players they hurt, had hurt last year, they still had probably one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. Yeah. So, you know, I wouldn't rule out, let's just throw this out there. What it, would Jeffrey Simmons at number 28 be an insane reach? Because in my mind, it wouldn't. I think he's a top 10 talent in this draft. Mississippi State defensive tackle reminds me of Fletcher Cox. We all know he's one of the best interior rushers in the league. Has some stuff that you have to clear up a little bit, right? He had an incident back in 2016, an alleged assault with the, with a woman that was caught on video. It was you know it was a big deal back then. Still, something NFL teams are talking over. I've heard that he's passed most you know if not all the character tests that you know teams have kind of thrown at him. 
But the bigger issue is he tore his ACL not long ago and probably will be out most of the season. I, I don't know. I don't know where I sit on that. Are the Chargers the kind of team who just say, the talent's too good. we got to take him. He's there. You know, we're not going to find anything better at this point. We'll wait it out, you know, put him on pup, and then come December, maybe this guy's starting for us. Who knows? So it just, it's one of those great debates that that pick that, you know, I could go back and forth on and, you know, debate the merits of. Well, Eric, let me ask you this. Quarterback-wise, do you think this would be the year that you find a, a potential successor to Phillip Rivers sure. a few years down the line? I mean, and the reason I say that, you know, they, they bring in Tyrod Taylor, who I think is a great addition in terms of just adding further sure. stability to the, the most important position on the field. But do you think that this is the draft to do it? And, and would you do it at 28 overall? Yeah, I was just going to say the only other kind of wild card option might be quarterback. And, and so let's just say, right, yeah. that one of – because I, I have a feeling, you know, it's hard to know. Obviously, Murray goes first. You know, we, we feel like there are enough teams that like Drew Locke. Daniel Jones and the, and the Giants seem to be like a pairing that everybody wants to make and that there might be another team out there that likes him. What if Haskins slips into the 20s? You know, what, what if – how well do they like him? And would it be the perfect type of situation for a one-year starter to kind of go in there, learn how to take snaps from center, you know, work on his footwork a little bit, that sort of thing? I, you know, if that's the case, why not? You know, Eric, that's why it's so fun. That's why the draft is so fun because we're we're talking, we're speculating. We have no idea what's going to happen. Anthony Lynn was on Adam Schefter's podcast this week, talked about Derwin James, and he wasn't even in the conversation at 17. But but things like that will happen throughout the course of a draft where a guy falls into your lap and you're just like, I wasn't expecting this. Yep. I mean, everybody and their brother was saying O.J. Howard was going to be a top 10 pick. You know, guys that big don't test that well. He went 19th, you know, and that's a less extreme version of what you just said with James. But, you know, you can you can look back at almost every draft, and there's at least one, if not two or three, surprises. Like, how did this guy last this long? Or how did so-and-so go so early? So, you know, it's like the chaos theory. Like, that one butterfly wing flap can, can throw everything all <laughs> kablooey. So, sure. that's like you said, that's what makes it so fun and unpredictable. Eric at home, Yahoo Sports. Eric, uh, you do awesome work there, man. I know you have your your top 100 prospects that you're going through all the way up to to draft day. What else do you have going on on uh, Yahoo? Yeah, lots of lots of other draft stuff. We're going to do kind of a value board to see which teams have the most sort of uh, firepower in the draft. You know, the Giants, the Patriots, the most picks, the you know the highest picks, and that sort of and weigh it that way. Um, we've got some great features from our other writers who are. are profiling some of the top prospects you know we've got a kyler murray thing dropping on friday so there's lots going on man i'm gonna stay caffeinated and stay sharp as best i can all the way up through uh uh, the end of april keep that coffee flowing man eric great stuff buddy we'll talk to you soon all right man thank you and that'll do it my thanks to eric edholm and jeff miller for joining me and of course thanks to you all for listening don't forget, if you like what you hear this offseason, be sure to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Please help spread the word. Have a great weekend, and until next time, I'm Chris Harey.